Welcome to Outside Sales Talk, where we meet with industry experts to learn the strategies and tactics that make them successful. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and I've helped thousands of salespeople all over the world crush their quota. Today, I'll help you crush yours. Welcome back to Outside Sales Talk. Today, I've got Victor Antonio with me here, and we're going to discuss how to master your sales presentations. Um, for those of you that don't know Victor, Victor is the author of 13 books on sales and motivation, and which is a lot of books. <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if anyone's ever tried to write a book, but writing one is hard enough. Writing 13, is that's a lot of books. <laughs> and, but, and he also recently launched the Sales Mastery Academy, learning platform with over 300 videos on sales. Uh, Victor earned a BS in electrical engineering and then his MBA, and he has had a 20-year career as a top sales executive, becoming president of global sales and marketing for a $420 million company. Uh, throughout Victor's public speaking career, he's shared the stage with a ton of top business speakers, including Rudy Giuliani, uh, Paul Otellini, who's the CEO of Intel, and John May, who was the uh, CEO of FedEx Kinkos. So, Victor, welcome, uh, welcome to Outside Sales Talk. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Well, let's uh, let's jump into uh, pumping you for some some sales knowledge here. So, as a as an expert in giving talks on sales and someone who's given countless sales presentations during your career, can you explain? why reps must have a, uh, a presentation process. The, and by the way, I like the way you said presentation process, not sales process. And I think that's really fascinating if you zoom back. We all have a sales process, right? But somewhere in that process, you have to do a presentation. And within that presentation, most people don't talk about the fact that there is a process to doing a presentation. Uh, when we talk about preparation, getting the presentation ready, what do you do? And so one of the things I always do when I speak, when I do keynotes, or even when I do workshops, is I try to understand, obviously, who my audience is going to be. That's the easy part, right? Now, second is we try to understand what are their pain points, right? We often hear this, right? What are their pain points, Victor? What are their pain points? And so one of the things I do before I do a keynote or a presentation is I typically ask my customers to let me talk to two or three of their salespeople to see what they're struggling with. Now, what they're basically doing is giving me the blueprint for what I'm about to say from the stage. But I can also use their verbiage, this is important, I can use their verbiage, their language, when I talk to them about their pain. And so if you're an outside salesperson, you're gonna go in and see a, com a, a company, you really have to understand their pain. And so I always like to use the iceberg analogy. We, we've all heard this, right? 10% of the iceberg you can see, the 90% you can't see. Here's the issue. Most salespeople talk about their features, they talk about their benefits, they talk about their advantage, they talk about the gain. The customers on the receiving end talk, talk about quality, give me service, give me price, quality, service, price. But what most people don't, most salespeople don't do, is look at what I call the unstated or the latent needs. These are things that are not, they're not saying. See, I believe in many cases it's never about pricing. But if I understand the struggles that you're going through, like really understand it beyond feature benefit advantage, quality service price. If I understand what's holding you back from making a buying decision, from adopting a new software technology, if I really understand what's holding you back, then I can sell to that more effectively when I present to you. So let me ask you a question. You know, for the software you guys sell, you know, what are some of their hesitations? My question to you, what are some of the hesitations when people look at your software? I'd, I'd say the most common one is that, uh, and this is probably true of a lot of software products, 
is that people look at the price tag on the software. So, you know, I've got a, if someone has a, a large sales team, uh, you know, and a lot of, a lot of uh, the types of people that have, a lot of people that are buying sales productivity software often haven't bought a lot of it in the past. Maybe they came onto a company and the CRM was already there, for example. So they've just never, it's not a, a line item that they've gone through big buy cycles with in the past. And, and, uh, and so moving, moving them, overcoming that objection obviously involves you know, showing them the, the, the true value of the software and, and right. that sort of thing. And see, so that's what most people, salespeople do. They'll, they'll address the pricing. So they'll go in there mentally prepared to address the pricing, right? They'll mentally go in there and talk about the features, again, the benefits of the actual software package. But now that's the 10% of the iceberg we see. But now let's kind of do this a thought experiment here as we're talking. Let's look at the 90% below the iceberg. Now, you're trying to sell me a piece of software, right? I'm looking at the price. Maybe I, maybe I choke on it just a little bit right? Mm -hmm. You try to sell me the value, right? But look, Victor, here's the return on investment. Here's your break-even point. Here's the total cost of ownership. All those wonderful things still at the 10% level, right? You're above mm -hmm. the ice, below, above the water. Now, below the water, let's say that I'm the, uh, I don't know, the CIO or the CTO of a company, right? Mm -hmm. Here's what I'm thinking. I have a system already in place. If I decide to go with your system, you know, what's, you know, what's it going to take me to switch over? You know, what's that going to look like in terms of manpower or man hours, right? And then and what do I have to change? You know, the work, uh, maybe I got to retrain my people. Well, how long is that going to take? And adoption, will people like this or not, right? By the way, is this integratable? In fact, if we're actually capturing the data, does this tie into our current database? Is it integratable, upgradable, so forth and so on? These are the real issues that I'm thinking about beyond just the feature benefits. And that's what most salespeople don't talk about. It's those quiet needs. What is it going to cost me in terms of time, money, and effort? But forget the money. In terms of time and effort, what is it going to take for me to actually switch over to your platform or even just to get it going? Mm -hmm. What is that really going to take? And I think if, if salespeople learn how to marinate in that type of pain, their presentations will be so much better because they'll connect at a whole different level. What most salespeople do is they go in there, again, feature benefit advantage, and they never address the real issues under the water, the real latent issues. So what happens? We had a great meeting, right? All the heads were bobbing yes, like, hey, this software looks pretty damn good, right? But then the salesperson leaves, and all of a sudden, we have our personal conversation. Look, I love the software. It's great software. I said, yeah, but you know, how much time and effort is that going to take for us to switch over? What about this? And who's going to do that? And what's the path? What's the blueprint here? What's the roadmap? How do we do this? How do we, and you're not there to actually to mitigate those risks, those conversations. And all of a sudden you don't get the call back. They never call you back. And eh, let us think about it. Yeah, we'll take it to our committee. Well, we're still mulling it over. Maybe next quarter, maybe next year. Does that all, does that sound familiar? Absolutely. Yeah. Because they're not addressing what's below the waterline. And, and what, what do you think is, is the right strategy for, for a, a rep to make sure they're addressing the things that are below the waterline. How do you, how do you uncover those objections? Now you have, let's assume that what's the average tenor, uh, uh, tenure of one of your sales reps at our, at our company, yeah. let's, four years, four years. And so four years, and I'm going to assume, I don't know how big your sales force is, but let's say you have 10 to 20 people in your sales force, right? Mm -hmm. Here's what I would do. Huddle them up in a room. It takes two hours to do this. If that, and that is to ask, what are some of the things holding our customers back from not buying? Again, stay away from feature benefit advantage, quality service price. What are some of the things holding them back? And then watch. You'll be able to come up with a laundry list of 10, 20, maybe 30, 40 things 
that's holding them back. And then what I would then do is let's find the one that most commonly come up, right? The real kind of high barriers to entry. And one may be data transfer, right? How do we move our data onto that platform? Mm -hmm. One may be interoperability with other systems, right? If they got an ERP system, how does it operate with that? So if we can get in the room, huddle up, we can figure this out. I'm telling you, four years on average in terms of tenure, 10 to 20 people in a room, we can figure out what the latent needs are. And by the way, that doesn't preclude the fact that you can actually call people, you know, maybe who didn't buy and just say, look, I'm not trying to sell you anymore, but just what held you back? Why couldn't mm -hmm. you make that decision? And you might start getting some real honest answers that have nothing to do with your software, has nothing to do with the price. That's, that's fantastic advice. I, I, one thing that jumps to mind too is, you know, to circle back to presentations, I think it's really important to bring these latent issues that you're talking about up preemptively. And if you've, if you've done kind of a, a, some pre-research and like maybe you've got one ally in the room or like a, a key sponsor or something that you're, you're presenting to the room, but one person there really, you, you already know who loves you and you already, maybe they, maybe they set it up, maybe they brought you mm -hmm. in. But if you can pump them uh, for information and try to uncover what those what the mm -hmm. key latent issues are, maybe you can discover um, what what they what you should what will need to be addressed, and then you can proactively uh, address them before they before they come up as objections, or as you've or as you described, maybe they never come up in front of the rep what the objections are. Maybe it's after the rep leaves the room, he or she, you know, the the. The, the the people are talking and and, and chit chatting about oh, oh but who's gonna who's gonna take care of that who's gonna right. deal with that Who, what is there what are the risks here, um, but uh, way, if, I, if I can piggyback off that mm -hmm. and, and one of the things you can do I'm I'm telling you I, I work with so many companies on this, and that is I get in a room and I said all right let's do the five to seven typical objections you typically get, again beyond the obvious look below the waterline what are some of the latent reasons they're not buying. Now, if we know what those seven are, let's say I go in and I'm about to do a software presentation. I know the presentation is going to be 30 to 40 minutes. Within those 30 to 40 minutes, I will raise the objection myself. I teach this in one of my online programs, right? How to block objections because when you raise the objection, you control the objection and how you can dispose or tie down that objection. If the customer brings it up, now you're defending yourself. But notice, and again, I really talk about this in the courses, is that when somebody raises an objection, you're less likely to change their mind. This is important. This is why overcoming objections, in many cases, simply doesn't work. If I raise the objection, I have now taken a position as to why I don't want to buy. You, the salesperson, now have to explain, if not defend yourself. And you know, you know how it is. When you're, when you're defending yourself or somebody pushes you back on your heels, you're not as convincing and you're not selling. For mm -hmm. example... We're in a room, visualize this, 100 people in the room. You're having one of those magical presentations as a salesperson. By magical, I mean unicorn. We're talking rainbows, pixie dust stars. It's one of the best presentations you're ever given. Everything's going great, everything's going great. And all of a sudden, one guy in the back yells, yeah, but we can't transfer the data over, right? They'll just yell that out. Now that person is just taking a position. You can't transfer the data whatever it may be, right? Now, that person is taking a position. Now, you have to respond to that person. Now, you have to defend yourself. Now, imagine if you had been proactive and said something like this. Now, many people think that you can't transfer the current data you have. Now, I'm familiar with your database based on what Bill told me. And here's how we would transfer your data. So, doing it that way, I preempted it. 
mm-hmm. if you wait for the person to say it, that person has taken a position. But worse, let's say that that person that says, yeah, but you can't transfer the data, is also a well-respected person. Right before that, he made that statement. Everybody in the room was like, yeah, this software looks pretty cool. This is hot. But as soon as he said that, he took a position. He's going negative. Now, everybody else in the room who respects him is going, hmm, well, you know, he's never wrong. So maybe we need to kind of pull back a little bit and think about it. Mm-hmm. So what's, what's the solution here? Think of five to seven typical objections. And within your 30, 40-minute presentation, find ways to raise the objection up. And I always teach that you got to present proof. You got to prove why it's not an issue and then tie that objection down. And if you can do that throughout a presentation, you will reduce buyer resistance. This is incredibly valuable insights here. Um, let's talk about the structure of a great presentation. How, how do you how do you structure all of these uh, all of the well not just the stuff that we're talking about here, but but all of a great presentation? How do you how do you lay out structure for it? So what I do is let me see if I have a, a nice blank sheet of paper right here. Wasn't prepared for this one, but we're going to do it anyway. Now what I'm about to show you is magical. Not really, but. By the way, for those of you who are not watching this uh, or listening to this, I'm going to describe it. I'm taking an eight and a half, eleven sheet of paper, right? I'm going to fold it in half. Eight and a half, eleven, just fold it in half. I'm going to fold it in half again. I'm going to fold it in half again. You're probably wondering where is he going? Just take your time. I'm getting there, and I'm going to fold it in half again. Now I folded it four times for you, those of you listening, and now I'm unraveling the sheet. And as you can see, I have one, two, three, four by four. I have sixteen squares, right? Four folds, I get 16 squares. This right here, my man, is how you begin to lay out your presentation. Each box basically represents a slide if you use slides. And so mm-hmm. what I do is I now know what objections customers are gonna raise, right? So I pick somewhere in the sequence of these 16 blocks, what do I wanna start out with? How do I wanna impact them at the beginning? And then by this third, fourth slide, I wanna block my first objection, present some content, something that makes them go, huh? And then by the fifth or seventh slide, I want to block the second objection. And if you do this sequentially, I'm telling you, you'll feel the resistance go down. Here's the mistake most people make. And if you're listening to this, really listen to what I'm about to say. The biggest mistake salespeople make, outside salespeople make when they do a presentation, is that they go in there and tell me if this sounds familiar. Uh, First slide, who we are, right? Company name, the person presenting, right? You know, click second slide. The second slide is who we are, what's the agenda for today, right? Here's the agenda for today. Third slide, here's a background about our company. You know, we've been around for 100 years. We got a million square feet. We got a million years of experience, blah, 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 right? Mm -hmm. Then they talk about their mission statement. Slide number five is the boom slide. That's when they have all the logos of all the companies they've worked with. They've just spent five to 10 minutes talking about themselves. And the customers in that room are going, I don't really care who you are. <laughs> I don't, I, yeah, can you get to the point here? Do you know, you, the fact that you're in the room already tells me you're somewhat important. Now give me a reason to listen. Here's the thing. The first five or 10 minutes are the most value. It's the most valuable time you have in front of a customer. Mm-hmm. That's when you get the impact. But most people, I'm talking about 8090, my unscientific report here, will spend their time doing what I just described. Yeah company, talk about their mission statement or value proposition. You know, they're puking for five to 10 minutes and people in that room going, you know, I got other things to do. Are you going to get to the point? Mm-hmm. Now let's flip that. What if I start out with basically your pain, 
What if I just start out by saying, look, I said, before I get going, let me see if I understand your business. And then what I would do is say, this has happened in the market. This has really changed how the market is functioning right now. Right now, I know it's impacting your company this way, and you're probably losing revenues here. Also, because this is happening, here's some of the cost impact that are probably eroding your margins. Third, more competition, which means that now you're looking at losing market share. If we were to add up all these things, does this accurately represent your market today? And if they nod yes, man, you nailed it. You're in their head now, because now they're going, all right, Okay, you understand us. I said, that's why we're here. I want to show you how we can capture more revenue, more market share, you know, reduce, blah, blah, blah. And then now they're ready to listen to you. But those five, seven, maybe 10 minutes are spent on them. Letting them know, I understand you. I get you. I feel your pain because I work with enough companies. I know what you're going through. Yeah. Then they're ready to listen to you. Very cool. Um, and, uh, and I guess, what does the end of the presentation look like for you after you, how do you structure that after you've, after you've kind of set up the blockers to those objections? Mm -hmm. How do you change, what, how do you, uh, how do you work the product in? How do you work the, uh, the, the, the close in or the conclusion? What do you, how do you structure the back half of the presentation? Okay, so, so think of, I have something called the hero story. We've all heard the hero story, right? The structure is something like this. It starts out with an event in the market. And so, and, and again, uh, search online, you'll find the hero story and how I structure that. But mm -hmm. what happens is the initial part is highlighting three key problems that they're having that you know your product solves. Let me say it again. It, you kick off by talking about three key problems you know they're having that you know your product solves. Da -da 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 A, you're also impacted by B, you're also impacted by C. That's why we're here. We have this ABC product software that's going to allow you to do these things. Now, let's talk about the first issue you're dealing with here. Here's how we resolve that or mitigate that, right? Here's a second issue. I'm tying them back all the way back to the, the first three. And da -da -da -do. now throughout this hero story, overlaid on top of that is my objection blocks, right? So as soon as I present my, let's say the solution, right? Here's our new software. Now, let's say that one of the things, uh, the, the objections is they, they just bought a new system and they don't want to switch over, right? Let's just say that's the objection, making stuff up mm -hmm. right now. Sure. So I introduce a new system. I said now, and then I would say something from the front of my life. Now, I know that you've recently bought a system and the last thing you want to do is go through that pain again. But if I can show you how our system can not only replace what you currently have, but also the implementation time will be this amount of time, whatever it may be, would you at least be open to that? And what do you think most people say? Oh, okay, yeah, show me. Now you have to demo something to prove to them. But notice I raised the objection. So simply, the hero story is three key problems to empathize with them, right? Then that leads to your solution. Then you demo your solution in terms of how do you solve these three major problems they're having. Overlaid on top of that presentation process is really all the objections that you're gonna hear. So once you get to your solution, that's when you start blocking the objections because that's when they're gonna come up. And then as you're moving, you solve problem A, solve problem B, solve problem C. Now, during that pre the presentation sequence, you can probe based on what I've shown you to solve problem one or A. Does that make sense? Are there any questions because this is important? And then you get a little feedback, right? Now, let me show you the second problem it solves that we've already talked about. You see what I mean? And then I probe again. Third, I probe again. And then how do you close a deal? It's one of those, based on what I've shown you, is there any reason we shouldn't, you shouldn't consider this software. 
Now, it's a question. I've just spent 30, 40 minutes in there. Now, for those salespeople listening to this, you're saying, that's kind of bold, Victor, to ask them that at the end. No, it's not. No, it's not. Here's why. I just spent, let's say, the last month or two trying to get all the decision makers in the room. Right? The last two or three months, I've spent just trying to get all the decision makers in the room. I don't know how much time and effort that's cost me, but I know it's a lot of emails and a lot of phone calls, a lot of chatting, a lot of phone calls, you know, interviewing people. So I've earned the right to be in that room. And I've earned the right to ask for the next step, the advancement in the sales process. And most mm -hmm. salespeople don't feel that they earn that right. They, they, they think like beggars, mm -hmm. right? They think like beggars. By that, I mean, they show a product and like, can you please buy it? please, mm -hmm. right? When in reality, I am bringing a product that's going to help you make more money. It's going to save you money, expand your market share. You're lucky I'm here to actually show you my product. That's the difference <laughs> in my set, right? I love it. I love yeah, it. You're, you're lucky I'm even here. So, so we're, I heard a phrase, uh, we're value merchants, and I've always loved that. We are merchants of value. So when we bring something, it's a value. Because if I can, get, if I can sell you a software product that's going to help your company grow, I am helping your company be more stable. Now, your company has 100 people, for example. These 100 people now have better job opportunities because guess what? My software is helping them. By the way, every person in that company has at least one spouse maybe and two kids. So that means I'm helping three more people, right? This is how I look at it. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm also helping my company because when I sell, I also ensure that my company survives. And so that's the mindset a lot of salespeople don't have. They're afraid to ask because they don't think they've earned the right to ask. To which I say, my ass, you spent all that time, you get to ask. I mm -hmm. want the next stage in the commitment. And most people won't ask for it because they're afraid of what they might hear. Right? Right. And I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Good or bad, I want to hear it. But sure. Well, in in a sense, that that close that you just uh, that you just put out there is is eliciting for any other objections as well. Not only is it asking for the business, you're mm -hmm. you're saying, hey, well, is there any reason that you guys aren't yes. going to move forward? That that's both asking, are you going to move forward, and it's also eliciting any further objections out there. I I think it's a great a great way to end a conversation or to to pre present the ending of the conversation. And, and again, it's, it's in, in many cases, it's a B2B sales cycle, which means you're not going to close the deal right there in terms of here's the money, sure. but you advance the sale to the next step. Mm -hmm. And I want to leave there knowing, you know, whether there's going to be a next step or not. And what that next step is I, and, and, and who, who's responsible for it on my side and who, what are the next steps on their side that oh, they're the way, responsible for? Your, your, your point is well taken. Let's emphasize that. I should know what the next step is. If the next step is a field trial, <clears throat> then my hero story should lead to the field trial. Based on what I've shown you, is there any reason we shouldn't begin a field trial next week? Mm -hmm. I should know what my outcome is. You know, I shouldn't guess. I should know what it is before I walk into sales. What do I want out of this meeting? And I'm going to ask for it. Now, if you don't get it at the end, in many cases, because something in your presentation, your hero story, you didn't do something right. You didn't mm -hmm. say certain things. You didn't block the objections. You didn't make them feel comfortable, whatever it may be. There's a lot of dynamics in that. And so when I work with companies, we usually work with those dynamics. Mm -hmm. And what I typically do is when I work with the companies, I'll show them a process like this, right, with the cubes and everything. We walk through this hero story, find out what the salient points are, figure out what the objection block should be. And then we structure that. I teach them how to do that. And what's beautiful about that is that after that, they know how to do it themselves. And for different products, they can create similar presentations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's all related. 
Um, well, what about a situation where you're selling something? And I know a lot of our customers are, are in this situation, which is why I bring it up. Mm-hmm. You're selling a product where there are very similar products on the market. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying it's necessarily a commodity like mm-hmm. corn or something, but mm-hmm. maybe you sell a machine and there's four other machines and each one, maybe this one's better at this, maybe that one's better at that, but they're all pretty similar. What steps do you take in that situation in a presentation to, to show a prospect that your product's the one that they should move forward with? Right. So, you know, let's accept the fact that we live in a world of five nines, right? In other words, by that, I mean the Six Sigma deal where quality is already expected, right? Mm-hmm. Quality is a given. Quality used to be a differentiator. Now it's a given. So we live in a world of where, where everything is at parity. You know, it's the equality of quality. Everything's almost the same. Even if you came up with a new bell today, somebody will invent it tomorrow, right? And just add that bell. Mm-hmm. To which I always say, it's not what you sell, it's how you sell. I got four people in front of me trying to sell me something that's very similar. I'm looking for the person that looks underneath the waterline, that is selling that piece of it to me, that is making me feel good about that piece. Everybody can take care of the feature benefit advantage deal. Got it. Everybody got that. But what if I told you, I said, look, one of your hesitations is that you're worried about the changeover. Now, let me walk you through our blueprint, our process of how we do that with customers. A, step two, phase three. Now, when we've done that with our customer, da-da-da-da, accuracy, data integrity has been, uh, and we've implemented this and we have a track record. Mm-hmm. This is why I'm here. You can so buy the product already Showing that customer proof is really important here. It is, but also making them feel like, remember, I have anxiety, right? Because what is sales about? Sales is always about raising certainty and reducing anxiety, raising certainty and reducing anxiety. Okay, great. You've raised my certainty that this product is good, if not equal to what else is on the market. Got that. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. But I still am anxious about you implementing or me having to do this. If the salesperson can say, Here's how we're going to walk you through this process. It's not as hard as you think it is. When it comes to new training, don't worry about that. Here's what we've done with companies in your position. Now I'm talking about the training. I'm talking about switchover, data integrity. I'm talking about all these things. And that's what they're really focused in on. It's not what's above the waterline. And what are some of the, what are some examples of ways that you feel are really effective during a presentation to show your prospect that that social proof from other customers and people that are using the product how, how do you how do you bring that up what do you what do you show them or give them yeah i mean the the typical is you know you do the testimonials you do the video testimonials that's what everybody shows right you know the if there's a way to get the comp- customer to come in uh to your facility for example the pool company i was working with a couple of months ago one of their i guess steps in the sales process is they actually bring the customer to their facility so they can see how they actually actually make these pools, right? And so they're walking them through and the customer's going, okay, I get it. So that, that's one way of doing it. If the way I used to sell software back in the day when I was a product manager for a software product, one of the things I always did was, is that if I knew we sold a network management system that managed fiber optic connect- connectivity, right? Just think of terminals with a bunch of fibers, information running through them. What I would do is I would do an initial build of one of their sites on my demo, right? 
and I said, okay, here's, first of all, I said, here's what your, here's what one of your competitors is kind of doing, right? Or if I want to frame it another way, our last customer built this and here's what we built for our last customer. Bam, right? This is what he had before and after. So let's, let's, let's pause there for a second. What does the brain want? The brain wants before and after. Here's how you look today. Tell me how I'm gonna look in the future. By the way, weight loss, here's where you're at today. Here's where you're gonna be tomorrow. Get rich quick scheme, here's where you're at today. Here's where you're gonna be tomorrow. So the brain is a contrast machine, always looking for before and after. And too often, we focus on the before and never the after. Once you do this, here's what it's gonna look like. So if the customer has their database set up a certain way, we would say, here's how you currently have it set up. Now, what we've done is we've taken all your data and we've populated one of your sites. Here's what it looks like now. So that, that's one way of pitching it. Then, so by the way, here's what we did for one of our other customers. Here's what their data looks like. And by the way, you can call them or we can put them on a conference call right now. By the way, one of the things I used to do is one of my best customers, I always had them on a conference call. I said, I'm going in, I'm doing a big presentation. Are you available between 11 and 12? Can I just have you in the office to take a call if I have to call? And if you do it right, and you got good customers who you've done great favors for, they'll do that for you. Mm, that's, that's a great example. Um, I don't think a lot of people think to do that. Yeah, I, I would abuse that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> why not? Well, the thing yeah. is, because there's something about hearing the person, you know, when I, when I did bring them online, I, sometimes I'd even tell a customer, I said, I said, let me make a call because I want you to hear something. And I brought, said, this is a customer down the road that implemented da-da-da, me da-da-da, right? Mm -hmm. I said, by the way, and I'll say, Bill, I'm in the conference call with da-da-da. He wants to hear your perspective on what it took to implement the system. Notice yeah. I said, implement the system. Forget, everybody's almost the same, but here's what it took to implement the system. And then I would ask questions like, well, how tough was it to port your data? In terms mm -hmm. of data integrity, did you suffer any losses there? Did you have any, you know, your, were your operations delayed, blah, blah, blah. Did that impact your delivery? He's like, no, no, it didn't, Victor. Here's kind of what we did. And then now the yeah. customer's engaged. And if I can get the customer to ask questions, this is good. If you can get the customer to ask the questions mm -hmm. to the person on the phone, you know you got it. One, one trick that I've used for years, mm -hmm. and, and I, I, uh, that, that you, you talking kind of jogged here for me, it, it is by the, all, way, we don't, we, by the way, we don't use tricks. We use tactics and strategies. That's it. That's, that's right. Yeah, a, a tactic that I've used. Um, I guess it's not a strategy, but it's a tactic. Um, I've, uh, I've, like, during the conversation, I'll be like, oh, and I could totally introduce you to a customer. Like, when I find, like, a sticking point or one of those below-the-surface mm -hmm. um, objections, it, I'll, I'll say, hey, and I can introduce you to someone who's already been through this and can uh, – can, can speak to how they did it and give you any, any best practices or tips and tricks that they found along the way, uh, tactics and strategies they found, yeah. found along the way. Um, but then I'll, I'll introduce the prospect to a customer of mine that, that, uh, that I know is happy and successful with the pro with, with using our product. Um, and, and I'll just introduce them over email and I'll walk, I'll be like, Hey, I want to yeah. introduce you guys you know, this person is, is, is thinking about implementing this and, and they, and this, this person's been really successful at it. And, and, uh, and, and I really appreciate if, if you get, if you would, that you offer to take the time to spend, you know, 15 minutes on the mm -hmm. phone with him kind of going over best practices and great tactic. And, and then I'll, I'll, and then I'll walk. I won't, I won't be involved in that conversation. I won't even offer to be involved in, in the conversation. And I feel like they, then they'll go and talk and they'll have a really candid 
conversation in a way that they couldn't be as candid if I were there. They couldn't. That's correct. It, it always feels like it's a little forced and not honest. But like, if I'm not there, you know, it's just straight from the horse's mouth. Here's a here's a guy that did it, and it yeah. forces. I, I liked how you said, you know, make sure that that they're asking the questions because, and, and this forces them to ask the questions because you're not even there to hold their hands, you know? Right. And, and I think if, if towards the end, you'll say something like this, uh, let's, you say, Mr. Cusper, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you, John's on the phone say, John, I'm going to give, I'm going to give him your uh, contact information. Is that okay with you? He's going to say, yeah, sure. Victor, give him the information here. If you have any questions, I said, and I'm going to encourage you say something like that. I'm going to encourage you to call him on the side, just based on what you just said. Cause I want you to have those candid conversations when it comes to implementation. Yeah. So I'm cool. Yeah. Yeah. And if, and if you, if you've got confidence in your product, you know, and, and then you can do that. I mean, I don't, don't do this if you're not confident in your product, but yeah. if you yeah, are, you should, be, I mean, you should be selling the product if it is, if you're not confident in it, that's, that's, that's what's Yeah, exactly. But, uh, well, so, um, you know, I, I loved your clothes. How do you move, into the can you can you walk me through how you move into that or do you just you know how, how do you move towards that 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 ask at the end how do you do that so it, it's a glide path right this is where i think most people struggle because they think it's a switch at the end okay switch to close you know and i think that's the wrong you're closing throughout the close begins once i present my solution remember i started out with their pain points right mm -hmm. three things below the waterline now i introduce my my solution I'm blocking objections, but as I'm blocking objections, I know I'm reducing resistance. I know that. Now, as I show something, I'm looking for some type of confirmation based on what I've shown you. Is this something that you can use? Is there something you would add to this? And so what am I doing? I'm talking to them. I'm having this conversation, right? So now that we've shown you this, I need to show you this because we did talk about this. Now, when we do this, here's how we do it. But here's what's cool about it. Got to have some aha in there, ahas in there, and you got to have insight. And as I always say, my definition of insight is information beyond the obvious. Don't tell me what I already know. Tell me things that make me go, huh, I didn't know that. Didn't think about it that way. You can actually do that. When you have those type of responses, you know you're doing well in your presentations. And so as I'm going through my product presentation, I'm seeking confirmation that I'm on the right track. Did I miss anything? No, all right, well, let me go on to this one. And then when I get to the end, it's not a natural, it's a natural ask. I said, so we've gone through all these features. Now let me turn around, on, turn around on you, Mr. Customer. Is there any reason we couldn't start a demo next week just to see how this works within your company and actually look at the data and see if this makes sense for both of us? I but it, it. Won't feel, it won't feel forced. But if you're waiting to the end, some people, what they'll do is that they'll wait to the end and they look almost like a, they're looking for the way in to ask for the close and it feels awkward. Mm -hmm. And the majority of salespeople, I think the number was like 63, 64% never asked for the order or the next stage in the advancement stage. Mm -hmm. So that's shocking. You know, there, by the way, before I forget, there was a, there was a I, I think it was insidesales.com or CSO Insights. And I, I apologize if I don't, if I, if I misnamed which one it is. But they basically said that only, I think it's only like 15, 20% of executives found a presentation by a salesperson actually valuable. I think it was only like 18%. Hmm. The rest found it not valuable and only like 6% would take a second meeting. What does that tell you? That tells me that salespeople, salespeople's presentations aren't adding enough value. They're, it's not consultative enough. It's not, uh, they're not bringing expertise to the table. And that's, that's a key. Yep. 
I, you know, I, I, I always talk to my salespeople on the team. You know, it, one of the, one of the points I try to get across is, you know, if they just wanted to do basic research on us or the product, you know, they, they've probably been to the website, right? So you want to, you want to feel things out early. If these if someone feels like they know a ton about something, don't stick to the script, you know, like fly yeah. through those 10 slides in you know, 10 seconds each and, and, and get onto more, get into the deeper stuff. Cause you really have to be able to adjust on the fly. Well, let's, by the way, great point. Let's talk about that because sometimes you have to go off script, right? But how do we know as, as salespeople doing a presentation, how do we know the depth of our audience, right? This is a good question. And so one of the things I always do, cause I remember I do sales training, right? So I got, a, I got, I'm telling you, I got 10% know-it-alls in the room already. And so one of the, that's one of, believe it or not, that's one of the first objections I block, but I block it right at the beginning and I block it like this. It's a very simple one. I said, and I'll just ask the question. I said, by the way, I said, I'm talking to salespeople. So I have to ask the question, how many folks have been here, been in sales at least five years, raise your hand. They'll raise their hand. Keep your hands up. 10 years, raise your hand. 15 years, raise your hand. I said, let's go into deep water now. 20 years, and you'll still get some hands, right? Sure. And it's, let's see, they get a little chuckle, just like that. You get a little chuckle, right? And then I said, I said, I said, many of you, and here's how I blocked the objection. I know that many of you can probably come up here and teach sales. But let me ask you a question. If I can show you one or two things that would increase your close rate by, let's say, one or 2%, would that be worth your time? And what do you think they all say? Sure, Victor. Now, what did I just do? I acknowledge my audience. I acknowledge their expertise and their depth, but if I can show you one or two things, would you be open to that? And all the time they go, yeah, Victor, go ahead. And there it is. So let's say that now I'm going in there and I, I'm doing a software presentation. I would ask the question. I got two questions. In your case, I probably do two questions. One, I said, how many folks have heard of our company and know a little bit of how much research have you done? Right? And then that'll give you an indication. Right? Now, let's say somebody raises their hand. I said, tell me what you know about our company and what stood out. Now, what am I making that person do? Tell me what they really know. Because people that say they understand, but mm -hmm. when you make them talk, it's enough. And all I'm doing is, you can even say this. I said, the reason I'm asking is one of the things I don't like doing is talking about things you already know, which is why I'm asking this question. Because if, we, again, I can joke and say, if, I wanna, if we want to go into deep water right away, let me know. We can swim there. This is the yeah. off script stuff. So anyway, stuff like that you can use to figure out who's in the room. That's a fantastic way to do it. Yeah. Well, the, the next section of the, uh, of, of the program today, I like to do a sales in 60 seconds where oh. I'll ask you a series of questions and, uh, and, and the goal is to, yeah, the goal, <laughs> the goal is to keep it under 60 seconds, which is always tough. Right? <laughs> I just talk too much. I'm screwed. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to do my best, man. <laughs> well, you know, there, I don't have a zap collar on you. So you, if you go over, no big deal. Right? Right, very cool. Go ahead. So, uh, what are some don'ts when presenting in sales? What are some things you should avoid doing? Stop talking about yourself. Never badmouth the customer and never shy away from pricing. Okay. What are the key challenges salespeople face uh, when they're presenting? Uh, presence from the front of the room. A very elegant way of presenting, not mechanical, a very natural style. I think a lot of salespeople try to be too mechanical, too formal, instead of really enjoying the process of a presentation. Because I think that connects with the audience when they see authenticity and not some robot trying to present the PowerPoint. 
Yeah. If there's less than 20 people in the room, I prefer to sit at the table rather than stand at the front just because then it makes it more conversational. That's what I've always been comfortable with. But Everybody people, finds their style. Yeah. You know, For some people, I, they'll stand and present to three people. You know, it just depends. Yeah. I, I was reading, a, uh, I read this quote by Bruce Lee. It's one of my favorite quotes. Bruce Lee, uh, if you remember, the martial artist came up with his own style of fighting mm -hmm. because he found karate too rigid and some of the other styles too fluid. So he wanted something right in between. And so he said this when it comes to learning a new style. He says, absorb what is useful, discard what is not, and then add what is uniquely yours. Now think about that. Absorb what is useful, discard what is not, and then add what is uniquely yours. That basically means as you're listening to this podcast, absorb what's useful, discard what's not, but in the end, add what is uniquely yours. And in your case, it's sitting, with 20 people or less, it's sitting on the front. For somebody else, it might be something else. So I want people to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, how can sales reps differentiate themselves um, more when it comes to their sales presentations? Insight. Information beyond the obvious. Really, the thing is, you, you need to, if we can draw this Venn diagram, the Venn diagram is you need to know your products and your business, right? You need to know the customer's product and business, but you also need to understand the market. It is the intersection of those three is where people need to play. Know your product, know your customer's business, and then know what's happening in the market makes a ton of sense dude i'm killing the 60 seconds man I'm, yeah I'm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm 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 really proud of you victor i did not think this was gonna go this fast <laughs> i had more time allotted this is great um so uh what is the best way for salespeople to practice their presentations the you know the the structure i talked about laying it out with the piece of paper the different squares by the way here's why i recommend taking the eight and a half by eleven, eight and a half by eleven folding it four times, you have 16 squares. Uh, each square represents about two or three minutes in a slide presentation, right? That's kind of, you gauge it. And so the best way to do, and the reason I ask people to do it on a piece of paper first, because here's what most salespeople do. They get a bunch of PowerPoints and they start playing with the color. They start adding images. They start changing the font. They start doing weird things. And next thing you know, they're lost. They've only done two or three slides and they've lost the reason of why they're doing the presentation. So the best way to prepare is to lay it out on a piece of paper first. By the way, if you don't like using paper, use index card. Here's, I'm gonna open up, write it down. Write it down, you know, if you're gonna put an image, put image of whatever here, these words here. So given that you're an expert in sales, what is your best advice that you would like to give our listeners? I, I think I'm gonna go back to the Bruce Lee thing, and that is to find your natural style of selling, right? Because we all do it differently. You know, I'll ask for the sale one way, you may wanna do it differently. You know, uh, I've had people who like to start at the beginning. If I can show you this, you know, at the end, I'm going to ask you for the sale, just letting you know type of thing, right? Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. some people just like myself glide into it and then everything in between. I think authenticity, I used to hear that word. I'm like, eh, it's, it's one of those buzzwords, right? But I've learned to accept that, that that word is really powerful because it allows you to be authentic who you are so naturally. But then it allows you really to connect with people because they don't, you know, they don't think you're trying to BS them or trying to be something you're not. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think, I think so authenticity is key. Like I said, I was, I, I was never a believer in the, in the, in the word. I truly believe in the word now. I, I completely agree. It's such a sales, is such a natural behavior. You know, it, it, you've been selling since you were able to speak, whether it was, you know, to your mom for some dessert or, uh, <laughs> and, yeah. and throughout human history, we've been, we've sold ideas and thoughts. And if you're not authentic, I think that comes through and makes you less credible. The, the, the one advice I give people, and this always shocks an audience when I, when I tell them this, 
And I always ask the question, I'm asking the podcast listener now, do you have to love what you sell? You would say? I would say you do. And I would say, no, that is egoistic and narcissistic. Here's what you should love. You should love what it does for your customer. Mm. Now, now switch that. Because now, see, if I, had, if I love what I sell, well, that's just, I love it. Doesn't mean my customer loves it. But I could, I could not like a product, but if I love what it does for my customers, man, that's the real value. So yeah. that's the question I always tell people. I said, do you love what it does for your customer? Forget what it about you. Because that's what you've been taught, right? You got to love what you sell. BS. You don't have to love what you sell. You have to love what it does for your customer. That's true selling and that's true selling of value. Yeah, that's, that's a great way to think about it. Yep. Well, as a final takeaway for these guys, what, what should the field salespeople listening today do as a first step to get started on mastering their sales presentations? Oh, great. Uh, first thing to do is you go to my Sales Mastery Academy online and you join, right? Which is, how's that for a sales pitch? It's $29.99 a month. So, and we have like 34, 35 different courses. I'm adding courses every month. And it's almost like a giant toolbox. If you have a problem with presentation, I got a course for you. If you want to learn how to block objections, got a course for you. So I, I made it affordable. And I think it's one of the greatest investments. Think about it, 30 bucks a month. Even if you only do it for six months, you know, run the numbers. It's $180. You sure? It's nothing. Yeah, it's nothing. So just go to victorantonio.com. Yeah, I, I like that pricing strategy too, because we, we went through the same thing, right? Like, do we charge 300 bucks a month and have a lot fewer people use it? But, you know, than just the people that really kind of have the dough and, and are, are in, have a head wound pain around our, mm -hmm. what we do, or do we make it, you know, cheap and have a lot of people use it? And, and, and we, we went with the, with the cheap, a lot of people use it strategy. You know, it's weird, 35 yeah. bucks a month. And that, that was, I think that's one of the smarter things we did. And, and we were talking, so some, inv some investors that I talked to were like, you are way undercharging for this. This should, you know, the, the sweet spot. Oh, here. I get the same, I get the same thing also. I get the same. It's, you know, it's really, I've learned not to look in anybody else's lane. I mean, I survey the landscape, but at the end I want to do it my way. Yeah. And if I'm comfortable at this price point, you know what, screw you. I'm going with this price points, my product, I'll do it any way I want. Yeah. And I, I'm feeling good at 30, 29.99. And I'm sure we'll move it up. Uh, probably mid next year, mm -hmm. you know, but for right now we're keeping it at that level. Cause I, I think I just want a lot of people to get into the platform and get familiar with the material. Mm -hmm. And as I always say, if you just close one deal money back. Yeah. Well, especially if you got something viral and like, and people, people like it and they tell their friends, it's just, it's more valuable, you know, in the, and this is obviously with, with things like software or video courses that are scalable, right? It doesn't work mm -hmm. if it's corn, you have to grow more corn. But it, for, for things of this nature, I think it's more important to have virality than, than anything else. It, I agree. It, you, you make more, more money having more people use it who tell more people about it. You know, I, I think it's better. More value created too. I mean, so. Mm -hmm. I think for my business, it's important because uh, as we talked about, I think right before the interview started, is that my biggest revenue generator are my keynotes and my workshops. And I've had, mm -hmm. I've had this happen. I say, by the way, I signed up for your Sales Mastery Academy love the content says I got to bring this guy in. Yeah. So it's like you a know? funnel for you. Yeah. Well then, then for sure. I mean, yeah. And yeah. you know, and it's surprising how software revenue can stack up too. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, the, the online thing you're doing that that's a, you know, in my experience, it's, it's surprising how, Oh, you're, 
year one and two didn't do that much, but you know, it's spreading around people telling their friends about it because they yep. like it. And you know, year four, five, six, you, you can, revenues coming in and start to surprise you. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. And so it's a patience game at this point, but you know, mm. the thing is where, you know, I really care about what it does for people. I get a lot of the letters I get, you know, uh, just incredible from, I mean, from all over the world though. I mean, it's just incredible. You started doing this, you know, now I'm this, or I done this. I mean, just some incredible stuff. And that's the, the intangible stuff, mm-hmm. you know, especially for some of these third world countries that I, I get some letters that are, they're, they're heart wrenching, man. Cause they spent their last 30 bucks just to access it for one month. Yeah. And they've gone through everything because they didn't want they didn't have more than 30 bucks. So they went through the whole academy. I'm like, holy buckets. <laughs> I mean, that's like, you know, that's intense studying right there. So yeah. that's also a nice feeling. Yeah, it's a struggle for us right now too, the the whole what to do about pla- places that have very different uh, uh economy, yeah, economies and ability w- not not willingness to pay, but ability to pay. Like, you know, be, yeah. we uh we well, you can take the uh, can't you just set up a separate site using their dot uh, uh kind of i mean it's tricky uh, yeah. you know and and the support the, the challenge is the support costs make it not worthwhile so it's, yeah it's the, got it that's the the trick to it but I, we're we're trying to wrap our heads around that for and, yeah. and, and it, the way you have to do it i think for us is through partners like we would need you know partners in india that will do the that will do the training and the support and all those things um because we just don't we're, we don't have, we're set up you know yeah it's a different wrong. structure yeah, it's, we're kind of set up wrong to do this. From, you know, our support teams in Utah, right? We would need support, local support, kind of in that economy. It's it's challenging, but it's something we're thinking about. Anyway, the next step, I'm going to uh, I'm going to summarize all the things that we've talked about today, just because uh, you know a lot of people are driving and everything while we're while they're while they're listening. So good to hear it twice since people can't take notes. So in summary. Um, so first, it's key to know that there's an entire process to giving a presentations. Reps need to understand who their audience is gonna be and understand the pain points of that audience. Um, understand the main struggles that your prospects are going through and figure out what's holding them back from buying. And of course, be, be prepared when you, when you go in to address pricing, features, and value. But remember that this is just the obvious. This is just the ten percent of the iceberg that's out of the water, and you really need to dig in and you win or lose deals by understanding that other ninety percent. Um, the other ninety percent, you know, to understanding the time and the effort that your product that your prospect needs to put in to get started with your product, um, and and it can change based on industry, but really. You've got to you've got to address that ninety percent in your presentations. Uh, be proactive and get in front of any of these objections, so that prospects don't have the time to take a, a negative position. Think of five to seven key objections and show proof as to why the prospect doesn't have to worry about the objection and why your solution is the best. The biggest mistake outside salespeople make is spending too much time talking to themselves in the beginning of the presentation. The first five to 10 minutes of the presentation are the most vital. Salespeople shouldn't talk about themselves in this, and, they, and they often do right then, but instead talk about the, the pains and how you're gonna fix these pains. Use the hero story in your presentation to highlight 
three key problems you sh that, that you know your prospect is having and the ways that your prospect can solve these problems. And be prepared by speaking to your, your, uh, your key sponsors to know what those key problems are for this unique customer. Next, when, when you get to your solution, you start by blocking their objections. Make sure that you've asked questions along the way and make sure that they're understanding the value along the way throughout the presentation. At the end, ask your prospect if there's any reason that they shouldn't try your product. Um, you know, what, is there any reason that, that we shouldn't move forward and, and give this a trial? Is there any reason that we shouldn't, well, whatever the next step is for you, I guess for me, it's a, it's a free trial at our company, but for, for whatever your next step is when you close, ask, is there any reason, you know, now that we've had this presentation that you wouldn't do that? Salespeople are value merchants. You're providing potential users with value. So don't be afraid to ask if prospects are ready to, ready to take that next step of commitment. And remember, if the, if the prospect isn't ready, you find out if you didn't provide enough value for their pain points or address all their objections by, by using this close. Make sure you show customer proof to make your, your prospect feel more secure in, in the decision to go with your product. Ensure that you have great past customer examples to show prospects and, and even past customers who are willing to get in a call and, and talk to your prospect and, and discuss how they got on board with, uh, with your product. Sales is all about raising certainty and reducing anxiety. Show users that switching to your prospect is easy, that the training is simple, that the data transfer is seamless, if those are the objections. Get, objections. Show them how, how they can do it and really give them good examples and let them talk to people that have done it. The close starts when you begin talking about your solution. Include key insights, which is information besides the obvious. Ask prospects in the room what they already know about your company to make sure to focus on the new information. As you go through your presentation, ask, is there any reason why we can't have a demo next week and go, go over this more? Um, we asked during the presentation, it, well, if that's the next step, whatever the next step is for you, make sure you, you close with that and, and get the next steps. Who's responsible for what, you know, what you're responsible for, what they're responsible for. Ask during the presentation and, and make sure that you're, you and your prospect are on the same page. Keep just touch, touch base, ask, you know, just feel them out as you go through to make sure they're with you. Overall, authenticity is so key in selling. Make sure to be real with your prospects. You don't have to love your product, but you have to love what the product does for the customer. I thought that was such a cool insight. So, uh, Victor, this, this has been just full of, of, uh, of amazing thoughts for salespeople, great ideas and great strategies. Where can listeners read more about your work and reach out to you? I know you do... You mentioned you do a ton of uh, keynotes and workshops. How, how do people get in touch with you? So I think the, uh, if you just want to see some of my material, just go all over YouTube. I'm all over YouTube. That's the easy one. Uh, if you just want to learn more about the Sales Mastery Academy, just go to victorantonio.com. All my contact information is there, so you can reach out to me there. And that's it. Awesome. Easy. 
we'll uh, we'll put that in the notes, of course. So everybody, I I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Outside Sales Talk. If you have any feedback or suggestions, feel free to uh, reach out to me at feedback at outsidesalestalk.com. If you like the podcast, please like and subscribe. It it helps us spread the word and, and get more salespeople like you to find out about us. Take care until next week.